You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, glad you decided to hop on board for this latest edition of Gun on One. We thank you for joining us as always. Well... The uh, Philadelphia Eagles season has come and gone. Um, it was like David versus Goliath, their last game against the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The varsity like the JV. Um, we had him on last week, and he said he wanted to come back this week, and I'm glad he did. I'm bringing in my man Brian Westbrook. B. West, how you doing? Oh, man, this is usually the day after the season or the week after the season ends is the worst week for me because I love football. I love talking about the game. I love being around the game. And when the football ends in Philadelphia, you know, what else are we doing? What else are we doing all year until the, the, the NBA finals or the, the playoffs or something like that? I hate when football ends in Philadelphia. And I know a lot of our fans and your listeners absolutely hate it. I'm in that mode right now. What else am I going to do for the rest of the year until basketball gets interesting um, now that football is over? I know what I'm going to be doing, painting, fixing stuff <laughs> around the house. List. That's what it sounds like. Dude, I, I got a honey do-do-do-do-do <laughs> list. <laughs> but but I'm listening to sports talk radio on Monday and even Tuesday, and people are losing their minds about how the Eagles finished out the season. I, I try to tell people for weeks, you know, did you people not understand who they played to get to where they are now? I had no inclination whatsoever of them trying to win this game against Tampa Bay. I did not think the Buccaneers would jump out to a 31-0 lead before the Eagles finally got on the board. Overall, give me your honest assessment of what you saw. Well, you're right. First of all, that 31-0 lead in the first round of playoffs is absolutely embarrassing. I don't care what team you are and your, your seed or anything like that. That's embarrassing. But what we saw, let's talk defensively first. What we saw was a defensive coordinator that didn't change his strategy from the, the from week six. He didn't change his strategy. He may have thrown a couple of new wrinkles in, but none of that affected Tom Brady. Tom Brady was able to dink and dump. He understood exactly where the defense was coming from and where the holes where the defense were at. He did everything as a quarterback that you needed to do to control the course of a football game. And he was able to do that because we didn't get consistent pressure on the quarterback. 
And we didn't put enough pressure on the wide receivers to take away the initial throw, the first option for Tom Brady. And because of that, he was able to go first and 10, second and five, third and three, first down, first and 10, second and two, first down. I mean, all those situations that you want to do to make it tougher on a quarterback, we didn't do any of those things. Now, here's the problem, though, Deacon. Most people say, let's blitz. Most people say, okay, let's play man-to-man and don't worry about anything. Put eight guys in a box and, and just get after Tom Brady. It's hard to do that as a defensive coordinator, especially when you don't believe that the guys on your back end can cover the way that you need to do to be able to do that. There were several opportunities that Mike Evans had to be one-on-one with Devontae Maddox, who I like an awful lot, who I think had a really good season. And Mike Evans, one of the better receivers in the league, I mean, he just embarrassed him. Had him turned around, doing all different types of things. And, and that's what happens when you have a quarterback that's going to be on time, is going to make uh, accurate throws, and a wide receiver that's one of the best in the league. You're going to make a defense look silly. And there was opportunities there, and, and they took advantage of it. I know the analytics say, if you win the coin toss, defer. But I'm listening to the coin toss, and I'm saying, Eagles, please take the ball. Please take the ball. Keep that man Brady off the field. Eagles win a coin toss. Oh, no. They give the ball to Tom Brady. And what does Brady do? First series, 12 plays, 75 yards, nine, uh, 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 five-minute drive, touchdown. Would you have given the ball to Tom Brady in his backyard right out of the gate? I think, this is just a thought, I think that Nick Sirianni wanted to go with his stronger unit on the field first. And because he felt the defense a little bit stronger, he wanted to go with the defense on the field first. And, and if you give me a quick second, Let's just say you can get a three and out. Let's say you can force a punt. Then now your offense has some momentum, right? Now, if your offense, the weaker unit, goes out and have a three and out, now your defense is kind of fighting uphill. Now, listen, it doesn't really matter. If you don't have success on the offense or you don't have success on the defense, the other unit is going to be kind of in, in a bad spot. Because of all of that, because of all of those things that I just said, I still would have put our offense on the field first. Let's go strike first. Let's go put our, 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 our uh, some points on the board. And when I put my offense on the field, D-Gun, I would have went deep. I would have took a shot. If you're going to play man-to-man against the best receiver in college football last year, then guess what? I'm going to allow him just a, an opportunity to go make a play. Go get you a pass interference. That happens in our game. Go get you a deep ball where you've been so much better on, on the deep balls, man versus man, going up and get them going to get those footballs, and we didn't give him those opportunities, especially early on in the game. That's the disappointing part. Tampa Bay came out, stacked the line of scrimmage with the defense. You mean to tell me you don't take a send a go route, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, just see if you can catch him off guard? Tampa Bay came out and said, I dare you to throw on us because you're not running the ball on us today. I'm shocked they didn't deviate from the norm. It was clear what Todd Bowles said that we're not going to allow you to get in the groove running the football. We're going to take care of that. And if you're going to win the game, Jalen Hurts is going to have to win the football game. It was clear. I mean, it was obvious in the way they played. It was obvious at their tempo. And now this is what happens after the first series. After the first series, they say, okay, that works. We're not changing anything defensively. We're going to be more aggressive. We're going to send more people at them, especially to that right side. And unfortunately, offensively, we never deviated from that plan that was not working and we never took those shots down the field. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of fingers to be pointed around because of that. 
You know, uh, speaking of defense, uh, the Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, told us coming into this game that they were gonna, it was going to be different. Things were going to be a little bit different. I mean, you're the expert. Did you see anything different defensively? Because I sure didn't. The result seemed to be much worse. I didn't see anything like overwhelmingly <laughs> different defensively. Um, the most important thing to me was challenging the receivers. We didn't see enough of that. Even though, now listen, some of the some of the DBs are up a little bit closer. Nelson was up a little bit closer. Slate was up a little bit closer. But those guys on the outside can be closer. But if you can't get closer to Gronk, then you, you, you have no way of beating this football team because Tom Brady mm. would say, okay, I don't have open access on the outside. I'll just take Gronk for five yards and I'll go to second and five. He's smart enough as a a, a, a a signal caller when you talk about Tom Brady to recognize where the deficiency is in the defense and attack that, and they did a very good job of it. Mm. Which brings us now to the elephant in the room, Jalen Hurts. And people are screaming about Jalen Hurts' performance. First of all, did you see the boot he had on his foot after the game? Seriously, I, you didn't have a boot on the last game yeah. Uh, before that, all of a sudden you had a boot on your foot? Really? Really? Now you're going to say the ankle wasn't what it was? Really? Well, this is what I will say about Jalen Hurts. He seems like the type of guy that's never going to put an injury in anyone's face and use it as an excuse. I, I, I'm i just going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one, that it probably was hurting before. He probably needed a boot before, but he said, I'm not going to worry about it. I saw some of his, some of his mobility not there as it was earlier in the season. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt to just say that, you know, he's not making this up. He doesn't seem like that type of guy. I, I just, you know, I think it, it could look a little weird. But listen, we, we know who Jalen Hurts is. He seems like a stand-up guy. He seems like the type of guy yeah. that's going to say, he's going to tell you the truth. He's yes. going to tell you what it is. He's not going to make up something. I, I don't necessarily have a big issue with the boot. I mean, it was it was ironic. It was it was interesting. But I, I think based upon who we, who we know Jalen Hurts is, it was a legit injury. I hate to say this, B. West, because I want to see this young man succeed. But, man, I, I, he regressed, plain and simple. He regressed in this game. And now there's a huge question mark hovering over his future and his status with his Eagles organization. Let me ask you a question, D-Gun. Did he regress? Yeah. Did he regress? I or, thought he regressed. did he play a team that got out to an early lead and just kept scoring? Think about Washington. Think about some of the games in the past where, you know, we had a slow start. The other team gets out right. of a 10-point lead in the first quarter, and we found a way. They, they couldn't score anymore. They stopped scoring. Offensively, the other team stopped scoring, and we found a way to get it going as the game got went on. To me, that was almost the same thing that happened in this game. Another slow start. Right. Tampa Bay goes out 17-zip at halftime, and then right. we never got it going. We never change around. And I think to your point, um, to Jalen Hurts, he he wasn't good enough in the first half. I don't think he was seeing the entire field in the first half. To start the third quarter, right. he was just missing wide open receivers. He was just missing, yes. missing guys. And when you start missing guys, that starts to play play games in your head and in your, in your wide receiver's head, your offensive line, everyone's head. And I think at some point they say, okay, we're playing against Tom Brady. They're up 24-zip. This is what it is, and, and and things don't get much better at that after that point. But you would think at this stage of a season, number one, he would go through his progressions better. Mm-hmm. Number two, some of the throws that we saw him missing during the season, you thought he would have overcome that by now. 
But we kept seeing those same things. I understand when you fall behind, especially in a one-and-done playoff format, you play a little bit more desperation-type ball. But there were throws for him to make. There were completions sitting there for him to make, but he made the same mistakes that we've been watching him all season long. So that's why I said he's regressed. Now, I understand this is a much bigger stage than the regular season. But, man, you got to stand tall in the saddle in a situation like that, especially when you knew the one weakness on Tampa Bay's defense was their pass coverage. Yeah. You know, I came on the show last week, and I said for in order for them to win, he would have to be special. He, he, I mean, you're talking about the seventh seed against the two seed. He would have to be special for them to win. He wasn't special yesterday. Missed a bunch of throws. Um, again, his footwork is just bad, in my opinion. When I watch his footwork, he never sets that back foot. That doesn't allow him to, to, to push off and to throw the ball down the field. Um, and, you know, when, we, when, when, you, when you have a combination of all those things and you're playing against the defending champions, just it's not a good, it's not a good mixture. It's not a good match for you. Um, and and we, we saw the result. We're down 17-0 at halftime. We, we, right. we, we get a little bit of a drive going, even though Jalen Hurts was off at the beginning of the third quarter. We ended up punting to them. We get a three and out. And they punt to us, and now we should be getting the ball at good field position, and then we get the muff, right? They yep. go down and score 24 nothing, And at that point, you know, it, things just almost got out of hand just a bit there when you look at the game. Okay, so moving forward now, um, and I will say this. After the game, I found it interesting that Jalen Hurts said – Ever since college, he's had a different coach every year, different coordinator every year. Alabama to Oklahoma, first year in the pros, Doug Peterson, now Nick Sirianni. Moving forward, would it bode well for this organization to give him at least one more year under Nick Sirianni, or do you think this organization, I don't want to use the word panic, but for a lack of a better word, do you think this organization now will panic and start turning over every stone looking for a veteran quarterback to come in here in 2022. Well, I don't I don't think it's time to panic. I mean, I think the worst case scenario is you have Jalen Hurts again, a little bit better Jalen Hurts next year. That's the absolute worst case scenario. And listen, that scenario brought you to a playoff. And if you do that, that means you got three first round picks on your offense or defense is going to make you be a little bit better. So I don't think it's absolutely not time to panic. But you also have to consider you have, what is it, 15, 16 or 14, 15 and 19? It was 15, 16, 19? Yeah. 15, 16, 15, 19. 16, 19. Can you get up to get one of the better quarterbacks in the draft with those picks? Maybe if they drop the, the pick drops down to out of the, the you know, top 10, maybe. Or or do you go get you a veteran guy? A guy that you're going to have to pay a bunch of money, but you, you, you can control how long you have him. I mean, that's an option, too. I, I, I think they certainly explore the options. Um, I, I, I believe that we've seen who Jalen Hurts is going to be at this point. We've right. seen right. him struggle just a little bit. We've seen him use his leg to get better. He's going to make some good throws, but consistently he hasn't been the guy that we need to be to bring Philadelphia to a championship at this point. And listen, it may be because he has a different offensive coordinator or different offense every year, every couple of years. That may be the case. But do we want to be along on that roller coaster ride to see if he gets better? That's the question. Do we want to be along for that ride? And if we don't want to be on that long, that ride, which I completely understand, that means you got to go out and find yourself a quarterback. 
Man, you know these fans do not want to be a part of finding another franchise quarterback. They don't. They, they do not want to go through that do, do all over again. They want to go through a, a a season like this one where we're saying, "Hey, man, no, only no. if he had a stronger arm, only if he had better vision, yeah. only if this." I, I mean, I think you know. I, I, listen, I had I was as patient as anyone with Jalen Hurts because I'm like, listen, he's going to need some time to develop. He's going to need an opportunity right. to, 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 to assimilate with some of the wide receivers and all the different types of things. He's going to need that. And unfortunately, I think at the end of the day, his upside may come, but I don't know that it's going to come fast enough for Philadelphia, the football team. And if that happens, mm-hmm. then that means you got to find someone else. Hey, Jalen Rager, is it time for this organization to move on from Jalen Rager? One catch for two yards in a game. He muffs the punt which sets up Tampa Bay for another touchdown. You know, it's like when it rains, it pours. And it has rained all over this young man this season. Do you think he would be better suited relocating and getting a fresh start like a guy named Nelson Aguilar did? Um, I, it's it's hard for me to define where he's going to be productive here. Um, and and I'm just that's just from a skill set standpoint. He hasn't gotten much better. I don't know that he runs great routes. I don't know that he has a shake that a guy at his size is going to need that wiggle, Debo Samuel type of wiggle and speed. Um, and that's who I actually compared him to coming out of college. Um, we haven't seen any of that as of yet. Generally speaking, when you are not performing at the place where you've gotten drafted to, generally speaking, you got to find a new home to be able to resurge and get a resurgence of your career. Um, I, I played with Jalen Rager's dad, and you, you remember Monty, um, hard worker, grinder. And I, I still think Rager is a grinder. I, I'm questioning if the skill set is good enough. Um, and I hate to do that because I've been on, I've been a supporter of his all season long. But what we haven't seen is making the first man miss. We haven't seen a wiggle. We haven't seen the big play. We've seen some of the speed. We haven't seen it consistently enough. And because of that, when you get those opportunities, like, like you know, Jalen Hurst actually was throwing him the football a little bit more than I thought he should as of late. He's not making any plays. Um, because of those reasons, I think it'd probably be best for him to find a new home. Unfortunately, I don't think they will. I think he'll be back next year just because of the first I do. Yep. I, um, and, yeah, and, and I agree. You know, you know yep. you're going to probably get rid of uh, our Ortega White side. Um, I, I think you bring him back as your third or fourth receiver and see what happens from there. Oh, my goodness. I hope he finds the right offseason coach, man, to get him back on track, man. I do think the young man has a lot of potential, but right now, this fan base, you just mentioned his name, and it makes the hair in the back of people's neck stand up. Hey, your overall assessment of Nick Sirianni and his first big playoff scenario and his play calling. Did he pass or fail? You know, it's, it's this is the hard part about play calling because you have to wonder, are some of the decisions by the quarterback a result of the play call? Or is it just the quarterback? Because I saw some receivers open. I saw some plays where I'm yeah. saying, hey, man, if you turn to the left instead of the right or the right instead of the left, that you got some options to throw the football. Or if we had a quarterback with a little bit stronger arm and, and that anticipated things a little bit more, that we had an opportunity to, to get the ball a little bit deeper. Um, because of that, I, I'll say that Nick Sirianni um, did a pretty good job as far as play calling in the playoffs. Now, when you are blanked in the first half and you're down 31 zip, it's hard to, it's hard to say that. Right. right. Um, so right. I, mean, I think there were some plays to be made there. 
I don't, I don't know that I can give him an A plus. I probably give him a B or so for 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 play calling because there were some plays to be made. But also a part of those plays that be made is knowing your personnel, preparing your personnel, making sure that Jalen Hurts knows, hey, if this if it's cover two, and you got to try to hit a guy on the in in the scene, you gotta you gotta dial that ball in. It gotta be a strike. It can't be a floater. If you're gonna hit somebody across the middle, you gotta step into your throw and get it there. Um, and because we didn't see very many of those accurate, strong throws, I had to take some of the the score off of Jalen Hurts, of course, and some off of Sirianni as well. Did did we buy into the fool's go? Was this team not nearly as good as we thought they were? To me now, it looks like they have an awful lot of holes to fill on this team. I don't think we bought into the fool, fool's goal. I think I think we came into this game and saw exactly what it was: a seven seed versus a two. That's a that's yeah. a Cinderella story. If if anything, right? That's a football team that shouldn't win the football game, and we got beat down like a two seed should on their home field, right? Um, I don't think we bought into the fool's goal. I really do believe that we beat some bad teams that 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 we supposed to beat. Now we have to find a way with three draft picks in the first round to get much better defensively. And if we could find a way to get better offensively, then we're talking about a team that is a win away from double digit wins. I mean, that's that's crazy to think, but that that's what we were. I think we could be much better, especially in a division that is going to have some turmoil, some ups and downs. Um, some situation where we don't know who the best team in the division is. Maybe we'll have some opportunities to learn and get better together as a team when you go into next season and, and potentially get into a double-digit win situation. And, and who knows what happens if, if that happens next year. So what's the number one storyline you'll be watching for closely this offseason? I, I think there's two. Number one, and I don't know that this is in this the right, the right order, probably number one, who's going to be your next quarterback next year? Who's going to be that guy that's going to be underneath center and and, and the guy's going to put full confidence in um, to, to help you go win a football game? And number two is, what are you going to do with these three first-round draft picks? There's a part of me that says, go get yourself a quarterback in free agency if you don't believe Jalen Hurts is the guy, and you go get yourself a DN, a linebacker, and another cornerback. That, that's a part of me that says that. Um, you know, I, I, I could make a case that you have to upgrade every level of that defense. So I would have no problem saying get your two first-round linebackers from Alabama and Georgia and get yourself a, another D, another, another DN, and you go with attack defenses, attack offenses that way. I would have absolutely no problem with that. I will say that when you watch the Tampa Bay Bucks defense, Levante David, 54, he's running with tight ends. He's running with line. I mean, uh, uh, running backs down the field. He's doing everything. He's making plays in the run game. Same thing with Devin White. So, I mean, it's the same exact thing. Fast, physical, nasty, that changes what your defense is. Um, we need to get back to some of that type of football, and we haven't seen it here in Philadelphia in a very long time. Now, now we know, we all know you know your football, but I want to spend just a few minutes with you uh, in another realm in your life that caught me off guard. You have become Brian Westbrook author now. <laughs> And uh, I just saw you make the announcement recently that you have collaborated with uh, Leslie Van Arsdale. Uh, you, you've, written, you've written a book called The Mouse Who Played Football. Yeah. How did that come about? How long has this been in the works? You know, it's been in the works for quite some time now. You know, I sat down with Leslie, and, and I'm sure you know her husband, Mark, just great people, um, you know, salt of the earth type of people. Just They, they just want to have impact and people that 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 you want to be around. And so 
I sat down with them. I told them, you know, kind of what the idea was. And we talked about that back and forth. And Leslie and I went to work and got this thing done. And really, it's a children's book that that shows that it's not about the size. It's not about the, the things that you see. It's about what you have in here. And that's kind of how I've lived my entire life. Um, and I think a lot of kids today, you're dealing with, the, you know, social media, you're dealing with bullying, you're dealing with all different types of things. And what we have to build up inside of them is something that says, you know what, this is who I am, this is who I'm going to be, you know, and I'm special, I'm loved, I am somebody. And I think this book will show a little bit of that. I'm super excited about it. You know, it's a great opportunity for me. Um, to be a part of something um, that's much bigger than me. And, and I, I'll tell you, no one even knows this part, though, D-Gun. 50% of the profits, I hope we send a, sell a bunch of books because 50% of the profits will go to um, foundations and nonprofits to help children. And really, at the end of the day, and it's not about money. It's about helping children mentally. It's about helping children um, empower them, put them in the right situation. And then whatever profits we make from this book, 50% of those will go straight to kids. And to me, that's the most impactful thing that I can do. Again, it's about giving back. It's about, it's about helping others. Um, so many people helped me to get to this point. Same thing with Leslie. Um, and we just want to be able to give back and help help those people in need. Dude, that is so awesome. And, and considering what I know about you, I'm not surprised one bit that you've taken that approach to give back because so many have given to you. So you're telling me that the book in some ways or in a lot of ways is based on what you went through to get to where you are? It is. I mean, it's, it's, it's loosely based on my life, high school, college, and the NFL. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a feel-good story. It's a really good book. I think everyone will enjoy it. I think they'll love the illustrations. I've enjoyed it. And, my, you know, I've kind of read it to my kids. They've all liked it. And I, I think, you know, I, we'll, we'll see how it's received. I have a couple other ideas um, in the works that I think come, can really come to light after this one um, comes out in the summertime. And we'll see how it goes from there. Is a children's book something you've always wanted to do, or th- or is this something that just popped up on a whim? I think it kind of just popped up. I mean, it's, it's, I've okay. thought about it before. I thought about how to impact children, how to make a difference in in, in kids' life, um, and really just connecting with Mark and Leslie in in their mind. Really, and, you know, I've had the story, I had an idea, but it's really their mind that was able to bring it all together. They've done a great job. Uh, of putting the words to to the page. And we're all just kind of collaborating on this thing. But, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to Leslie. She's been absolutely awesome to work with. So what's the most difficult aspect about aspect about writing a book? I've been sitting down talking about writing a children's book for like five or six years. And my wife keeps saying, why haven't you done it yet? <laughs> and I keep telling her, I can't sit still long enough to put the word the yeah. on a piece yeah. of paper. What's the most difficult aspect about getting that book from thought to paper? I think... You just laid it out with the most difficult, part. <laughs> you, you know, for busy people sitting down and doing something, staying focused for an extended amount of time while you have chaos going on around yeah, you yeah. is usually the yeah. most difficult part. Same thing for me. Um, chaos going around, you know, raising three kids, you know, trying to continue to nurture my marriage uh, with my wife, you know, taking care of businesses, trying to build businesses as well. And then being involved with the writing of a book, it just it just comes down to uh, being disciplined enough to sit down and do it. Um, and that's the hardest part. But I, I will tell you this. And I, again, I give a whole bunch of credit to Leslie having good partners, having the right people around right. you. 
changes the story. I mean, it's also almost like a marriage. Having a good wife, having a good partner yeah. around you makes life yeah. so much easier. And then, again, I give so much credit to Leslie because she's done a great job of that. So when will the book be on bookshelves? It'll be on the bookshelves this summer. So we wanted to kind of time it up okay. right about the Eagles season um, because it is a, a kid's book, but it certainly has some Eagles undertones in it. Um, so it'll be out, you know, the mid, mid part of July this summer. Well, I'm looking forward to getting it, man, and reading it to my grandkids. Now, I have three grandkids and a fourth one on the way this hey, summer. So I can't wait to get the book, man. man. Yeah, man. I know. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it. to all your grandkids, we'll be in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> hey, B. West, as always, man, I can't thank you enough. We got the offseason coming. We have free agency coming. We got the draft coming. Uh, I tell you this all the time. Don't be surprised when you get another text from D. Gunn saying, hey, man, I need you to hop on gun on one. D. Gunn, we got to do it again. We got a lot of things to talk about. But we got some holes to fill, yep. offense and defense. Yep. We got to figure out what's going on with the special teams, the returner situation. We got the draft coming up. We got the quarterback situation. I'm always here for you. You know that. Just let me know, and I'll be sure to come on Gun on One, man. See you soon. He, he is he is former NFL player. He is a father. He is a husband, and now he is a children's book author. My man, Brian Westbrook. B. West, thank you so much, thank man. You, Take care. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of uh, Gun on One, the podcast. Hey, everybody out there, thanks for listening in. Hey, stay blessed out there in the times that we live in right now. Continue to stay blessed, but more importantly, keep being a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next time, so long, everybody. of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. where black is the main character where we dive into something new like the latest season of them the scare and the award-winning american fiction or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend bob marley one love and add on channels like paramount plus and stars to bask in nostalgia with beverly hills cop and bmf explore prime videos culture rated collection and enjoy old school greats and new school hits restrictions apply see amazon.com amazon prime for details you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.